Welcome, one and all, to Ladies with Gumption, episode 137, Bullseye. We are the Ladies with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. I am Tatiana, and I'm here with... Jessica. And May. And you can find us at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, ladieswgumption at gmail.com. Those are all ways you can said, submit feedback. And if you actually want to listen to us speak... You can do so at Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Spitcher, Stitcher, not Spitcher, yes, Spitcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Patreon, where for the low, low price of, once again, $10 a month, you can get extra episodes about things like Stargirl, Doom Patrol, The Witcher, The Boys, Justice League, which we'll have to do next week. Next Maybe. weekend. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. I've watched it now, so we Yeah. <laughs> WandaVision, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that is patreon.com slash DCTVGumption. We appreciate all your support, and we use it to continue podcasting, because we are poor. <laughs> all right, so on to news. We have um, May, once again, delighting us with Superman and Lois, the greatest show of our time. She watches it, so we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, well, this was like, I guess, you could consider it the mid-season finale, even though it's only been five episodes, but they're not going to come back until May, and this one dropped a couple of, uh, explosive cliffhangers, Ooh. I will say, because, uh, spoiler alert, if you do not want to watch, if you don't want to watch Lois, uh, Superman and Lois, and don't care if I spoil it for you, then keep listening. If you do want to watch and care, then stop right now and fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, basically, the Lex of the Other Earth, whichever Earth he is from, they have not told us, is... Does it matter? Does it really matter? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but not only does he think Superman is the enemy and, you know, wants to kill him because he thinks that he blew up, destroyed his Earth, this man was married to Lois Lane. So it's like crisis. Alexander Luther, maybe. I don't know. But yes, he was in love with Lois. So he also has another bone to pick with Clark because Clark gets the girl and he does not. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know what? Obviously, like, honestly, those are two very valid reasons. You blew up my earth and you took my woman. Like, so. <laughs> he <laughs> I'm is not really seeing how here. <laughs> I support him. I support him. <laughs> yeah, so that happened. That was major. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> did, she, did she love him back? Because that would be the real. She issue. did. Yes, okay. they were actually, like, together. That is together. that is the key variable here. <laughs> she loved it was him. not unrequited love or anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So that happened, and that was good. And then um, I feel like that that was so major, I forgot the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but it's gotten a lot better, and, like, you know, it's the emo teenagers have simmered down. They are normal-level teenage angst normal now. <laughs> yes. And it, it's Drink nice. Because <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice because, like, we're getting to see them uh, have more of a relationship, a better relationship with their dad. And now, like, the other son, who is, I guess, like, the more, quote-unquote, perfect one, the one that was not endowed with powers, is upset because, you know, Smallville has not been good to him. He doesn't have powers. He's not really playing on the football team anymore. He's on the sidelines. So um, his, his girlfriend broke up with him, so he's My annoyed. <laughs> But in general, like the like Lex and, you know, bumped into Lois and he wants to like be a part of this Morgan Edge storyline. So he's kind of like, you know, getting into building relations with the characters 
as they are now. And this was like the first episode we've actually seen him without his full suit, his mask or whatever. So what? that was nice. Yeah, Lex. It's the first time we see him as a person? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Yes. And they had like a Xavier School for the Gifted going on, except it's run by Morgan Edge and he's like experimenting on people with his right. powers. So that's like really intriguing. So I don't know. We'll see how this goes, but it's it's gotten a lot better from like the first episode for sure. Well, that's good. That's good. One day I may watch. One day. One day. You have, you have a month and a half now to catch up. On oh, the first wonderful. Three Perfect. Five episodes. I like to see how they fare past episodes 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Because that's when Nigeria was added, right? Well, 14, 15 were the two additional episodes, right? Like, it was 13. Oh, what? Okay, so she would have been, like, technically through the whole season. Mm-hmm. Okay. I see. What are the updates on that? <laughs> the updates was that... Sorry, Tati updating. Oh, <laughs> yes, I am updating, yes. I just, you just do it so well. You just do it so well. I just feel like I should let you. Okay, did we discuss, did I, or did I blank out that we discussed the Supergirl trailer? No, no, no. Okay, so yet. Supergirl, we finally got a trailer. We, I don't know what's in it. I'm sure it was delightful, but this is the final season. Anyone watch it and have feelings? I watched it. I saw Lena Punch Lex. Love which that. Was, which was great. It felt very dramatic. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I got to sacrifice myself. And, oh, right, that's right. Hara's doing yeah. a sacrificial thing. Yeah. Which is very, I know we were doing that because to make room for Melissa's pregnancy. But it is so strange for the final season of Supergirl. It's very, like, I, and, you know, it's, like, a good kind of frustration or annoyance, I guess. (laughs) Like, seeing Lex inside uh, the Fortress of Solitude and him having these, like, pseudo powers. I don't know if it's, like, power shooting out from, like, a ring that he has or whatever. Whatever he has that is allowing him to be more than what he is is super (laughs) annoying to me. So, um, I guess it'll be, like, a, a pretty... You know, he'll get close to getting what he wants, and obviously the super team will save the day, but... Yeah. I mean, he is pretty diabolical uh, in the episode. I, I will only yeah. say that it's, it's very good. I think it's like a solid season premiere. Yeah, May has seen the season premiere, so she can give us her yeah. overall That's, her, that it's that's her, her review of the season premiere. <laughs> solid. <laughs> um, also, Emerald Fennel of uh, recent... The Crown fame, where she plays uh, Camilla Parker Bowles, everyone's favorite homewrecker, as well as show running <laughs> Killing Eve. And yeah, she wrote the Promising, Promising Young, Young Woman. Woman. She directed and wrote Promising Young Woman, which was the next thing I was going to say. So she's a very delightful uh, lady uh, with polarizing activities. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, she's going to be writing the script for Zatanna. So now we know Zatanna's going to be like, you know, super dark comedy, quirky, you know. Not like other girls, but like in a real way. So <laughs> I, I love that. I love <laughs> Any other feelings on Zatanna and Emerald Tettle? Not really, other than that it's happening. So Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a generally good choice. I think she's a whether people like liked or hated her stuff, it's she's a strong writer, I think. Yeah, so definitely. young woman is actually like, kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Know, like it hooks you, it makes you it, like yeah. it, I still remember it even I saw it like months ago and I was like it was a good movie. Talking, yes, promising. And I still think about like how I feel about it. It's exactly, very, exactly. It goes back and forth. Yes, exactly, exactly <laughs> the same. Because I'm just sitting here like 
I have so many feelings about Promising Young Woman and like not many feelings about many other things that I have watched <laughs> since. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's the mark of a good a good writer. Exactly, they just exactly. bring you Whether in. You like it or think. not, you, you're, you're <laughs> invested. You're invested. And you know what? I have a lot of feelings about Camilla Parker Bowles. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> my friend loves to deride me for being a Camilla stan, which is not accurate. I am not a Camilla stan. I simply think <laughs> that there is another side of that story, right? It isn't just my poor little meow meow princess die, which of course I feel very bad for her all the time. And I hate Charles, but like Camilla was just chilling. Okay. That's all I'm saying. So <laughs> just minding her and Charles's business. <laughs> anyway. Yes, we have to remember Charles is the villain here. <laughs> exactly. And the whole crown, right? Because yeah. obviously yes. if it had been Charles's choice, he would have been married to Mel. Yeah. So then that wouldn't have been an issue at all. You're but right. anyway. But anyway, I will save that for some other podcasts where I just talk about Camilla Parker Bowles. All right, moving on. <laughs> we also have uh, more developments on the Nadria Tucker story with WB. It turns out they are trying to stiff her a couple episodes. Um, so she is not being paid for, I think, it was 15 and 16? They're 14 trying to say that, 15, 14, 14 and 15. They're trying to say that she didn't write those part of those episodes. And she's like, oh, well, then should I spoil, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the events of those episodes? To really like that I did. Um, so, yeah. But now I'm like, if she was even as far as I would have expected that she had been like, quote unquote, fired like earlier on from that, just right. because, because like at, at that point, if she worked on like the whole season, I'm like, what are you even doing, Todd? Uh, yeah. so. and, that, and that brings into question the whole we let you go because we don't want to renew your exactly. contract because our contract was originally for 13 episodes. So it's right. like, that's weird. <laughs> it's, it's two extra episodes. And I feel like, I don't know, well, I don't know how contracts within the TV industry work or whatever, but I feel like if her writing was subpar, they wouldn't have waited 13 episodes to be like, you know what? We're not going to bring you back. Like thirteen yeah, episodes and she later, said too, that they gave her good feedback on her writing. She's like, I want to reiterate right. that that right. wasn't an issue. So, yeah, it's obviously like much deeper than that. And she was also a top tier writer, so she was like a producer on the show, and that's like I'm sure the other writers were like, yeah, everything is fine because they don't want to get into tr- trouble. So they exactly. came to her with their issues, you know? Right, right. So it's just it's so fucked up. But I hope she gets her money. Now her attorney's involved, so that's good. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad she's you know standing her ground and fighting the good fight there. So, I wish her the best. I hope that things you know come to light, um, and that WB is has to has some consequences for it. And you know, Todd. All right, so Kate Kane was cat was recast, and now she. This is like spoilers for what we're going to talk about in that one <laughs> episode, but it's fine. And it is Wallace Day that she was recast as. Wallace Day of Krypton fame. Back and to haunt us. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, never, I never watched past season one, so I cannot speak on whatever happened in season two. But she's back in the DC-verse. So, I, you know, based, I have That's nothing. Sure, because, like, at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. you don't even, you can't tell. I didn't know what it was. Like, we had seen right. a bunch of fake necklaces. And here's another one. Like, okay. And then they're like, oh, it's Wallace Day. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess her, like, face was burned off. It was really so dark, I couldn't tell anything it was, either. It was, like, just, like, a, I don't know what it was. There's, like, bandages and stuff. You know, there's nothing to say that this is actually Kate Kane. Um, but I guess we'll see more of her in the next episode, which is why they felt the need to say something. But I just felt like, I don't know, I could have hung on to my reality a little while longer. 
<laughs> they popped your bowl too soon. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, um, like, it's a predictable thing, because she, she does look very similar to Ruby. And I saw, like, a picture of her and, and Rachel side by side, and they look like they could believably be twins more than right. Rachel and Ruby. So, yeah, And yeah. I think someone mentioned, too, she originally had auditioned for Kate Kane back in the day. Oh, I, I was did like, not oh, for Kate or she auditioned for Ryan? Because I heard that she I think she auditioned. Ryan. Oh, she auditioned for Ryan. Oh, hmm. Yeah, because I feel like if she auditioned for Kate, that would have been like that would have been overla- overlapping with Krypton, which would not have been true. True. I, I, yeah, then I probably just got the names wrong. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. She auditioned for Batwoman anyway. <laughs> <laughs> One of the Batwomen. <laughs> right. So that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I yeah, I'm 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 very like resounding eh because. I'm not, I'm not like, well, we're going to talk about more in our likes and dislikes, obviously. So I guess we'll just talk about it then. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to uh, Dame Helen Mirren, who has been cast as a vil- in a villain role in Shazam, Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods, or whatever it's called. This is, and, and Pierce Brodson has been cast as Dr. Fate in Black Adam. So they're just like <laughs> pulling out the big guns, it seems. They are, but that movie... Like, Black Adam had such good casting, and somebody mentioned, because I haven't really been keeping track of the casting in general, other than, like, uh, Moran, but there's, like, no Egyptian actors in there, and I'm like, there's this the, is just a... Egyptian, well, I don't know if he's Egyptian, but he's, like, North African, and he's the villain. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. he's only, the villain. That's, and yeah. that's like, the only one. So I was like, that's the an issue. <laughs> you can't find, in all of your casting, the only time that you can find a mean actor is when you're looking for a villain role. Like, that's kind right. of... Right, like, Pierce Brosnan is not, like, a bad choice. He's 007. Like, people are, you know, it's a big name that's going to draw people to Dr. Fate. But I feel like, I mean, you could have tried. You could have been a, a little right. bit more. Yeah, it's just a, a, an unim- unimaginative choice. Right. That's uh, true. For that's everyone. True. Yeah, that's definitely true. Unfortunate, unfortunate. Um, then, meanwhile, uh, Batwoman got Peter Outerbridge as well now. And not... I not- <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I was like, wait, am I reading this correctly? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we got Black Mask, but we did not get who we were thinking. <laughs> Rachel needs to explain herself. <laughs> right. Like, Why did she lead us astray? But, like, now I'm just like, damn it, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> so sad. But that's why no one picked up on it, I guess, because there's nothing like somebody else later on. I don't because, know. Because, like, she worked with him, so I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. Because, like, to get him, you would have to make it worth his while. So you'd have to be playing someone like. That's true. Specific. That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, with that, a disappointment out of the way. We will now <laughs> get onto our format of our actual episode. We're going to be doing joy, no joy, feedback, and ladies with gumption. And we're going to start off with that woman and then lead into the flash. And that's all we're going to do. That's all she wrote. So uh, May is the one that's going to take us down memory lane. Yes, indeed. Side A is called Bloodline slash Gene Expression. Or actually, just Bloodlines, because Black Lightning is <laughs> not a thing this week, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Bloodlines, side A. <laughs> Batwoman. <laughs> Batwoman's abilities are tested like never before as she heads to Koryana in an attempt to retrieve the Desert Rose and save Kate and herself. Alice's search for Kate continues, and when given the choice between Ocean and her sister, she chooses the latter, not realizing that Sophia is petty and never actually had Kate at all. <laughs> Fooled everyone before stabbing Tatiana for her betrayal and for bringing Alice and Ocean back into her life. <laughs> Every time. 
<laughs> Sophie and Jacob set their sights on Coriana as well, but are kidnapped and sent there anyway. <laughs> Sophia wants Sophie to join her army while Jacob continues refusing to be sensible. And Luke and Mary contend with an unexpected guest in the form of a Coriana warrior, and Mary plants sits for Ryan, only to discover her mom's plant was the desert rose all along. The sweetest thing ever. What brought joy? I just have to say, <laughs> Sophia. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Never doubted you. <laughs> like she's she's really like a sadist, and I rescind like all of my like previous complaints on her like petty for <laughs> wiping Alice knows memories. Honestly, it's not my fault. I blame Tatiana for being like a bullshit narrator. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> like it, like it was Tati, like not saying all of the facts because she didn't know it. Like Tatiana has like small brain compared to Sophia's like galaxy brain. Like it's okay. I'm so sorry, Queen. Never issue. <laughs> totally loyal. Whatever. Um, like I like I feel like this Sophia is the kind of like emotional manipulative villainy that I wanted to see or that I thought she was. And I feel like um the Batwoman prediction or thought that I had last week that I forgot to say was that um it would have been so much better if the reason that Sophia sent Alice back to Gotham the way that she was, was to, like, just send her back as, like, a bomb to um, mess with Catherine. Because if you remember, like, Catherine was her enemy as well. So she sent her back, had, like, had more to do with strategy. And just, like, a side bonus was that she was being petty. <laughs> that is great. And I love it. <laughs> and I feel like now that line of reasoning can come back onto the table as what she was actually trying to do and not what Tati thought she was trying to do. So I'm like all for it. And like from the beginning, we know that Sophia has had a bone pick Catherine. So like sitting her back, uh, Alice back in like the most chaotic way possible would have been very like villainous thing to do. And, you know, Sophia still keeps her hands clean because Catherine has no idea that Sophia's connected to Alice. So it's just kind of like really clean and, she can kill two birds with one stone. So it's really good. And it's on, for me, it's like on the same level as um, lying about Kate to get Alice to kill Ocean, which ultimately, like, on one hand, like, she's still being petty about Alice and Ocean's relationship, but ultimately she brings Ocean back because he was going to leave either way with or without Alice in the first place. So she brings Ocean back and she brings him back closer to her while keeping her hands like mostly clean because it was Alice's choice to have Ocean in the heart. And Sophia was like, but did you die? (laughs) And so she's like, but I saved you, right? So it's like, you know, you can't really blame me. So I feel like um, I understand more of her MO now. (laughs) And so it's like a lot better. I really, I'm really, really enjoying like the way that she's just like, maneuvering in this whole situation (laughs) um let's see what else did I like um I also like that she stabbed Tatiana (laughs) it's not like a joy again poor Tati (laughs) (laughs) it's like Tati you should just sat there and ate your food right right doing all this stuff and you'd have been fine um in other areas of the plot I, I you know Mary and Luke shenanigans again were the best um my favorite the comedy of like the assassin comes in and 
they manage to like kill the assassin, but the assassin's like on top of the plane. And she's like, oh my god, I can't leave Brian's plant. And then they're like arguing <laughs> while the assassin's like bleeding out <laughs> over a plant, how to save the plant. Um, that was like really great comedy. I feel like Mary took her plant babysitting responsibilities very seriously. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, I also thought it was genius that the plant had been the desert rose all along. Um, cause we got that nugget before when Tatiana was saying that, you know, only the, the blood of the women of Coriana can make the desert rose bloom. And in this situation, it's only when the assassin bleeds out on the plant that the plant blooms. So it was kind of nice that one is the one thing that can keep Ryan alive. And it's also the one thing that Ryan connects most strongly to her mom. So it's just, um, when it bloomed, it was like a really great twist and a great reveal, but it also was really great in the sense that her mom last week saved her from killing Alice and this week is going to save her life just like literally. So it's a really strong connection to her mom that I really like that. Um, let's see. I like the show getting more explicit and calling out the crows because the crows are shit. And I like that Tati was like, the crows are shit. <laughs> At least we own that we are a ruthless criminal organization, <laughs> but you don't. So I like that Tati called it out, and I like that Sophie continued that thread with Jacob, even though he wasn't really listening. I like that she kind of, like, followed up on it. Like, you know, she did make some points. So that was good, and it feels like we're getting to a breaking point with the Crow storyline um, to the point where we'll have to do something about it. So that was really good. Um Julia, <laughs> I feel like when I saw her, like that Tif- the Tiffany Pollard gets like Beyonce, like Julia, like what the fuck? Like, hey, Julia, she she yes, I she came back. <laughs> I, I I thought she was a figment of my imagination. I was so happy to see her, um, and her coming back with, I guess she was off screen trying to find the missing pieces of cocaine. Um, so I. I like that scene. The It was kind of like a three-part scene where we have Julia telling Luke and Mary that, you know, I'm sorry, I have some bad news. We found pieces of Kate Kane and, like, DNA matches. And you have Sophia with Alice building up to taking her to her sister and it just being a room full of, like, ruby necklaces. And then you have also Tatiana with Ryan and this whole, like, trio of you know, the reveal, and then it, it, there's a lot of nice tension and back and forth going on there. Um, and then finally, with Ryan and Sophie, I thought they had a really sweet moment. Although I think one of our anons were like pointing out, and I was trying to like pinpoint it myself, and I couldn't really figure it out. But Sophie was um, apologizing to Batwoman for them getting off on the wrong foot. And we know that Sophie and Ryan definitely got off on the wrong foot, but Sophie doesn't know that Ryan's Batwoman. So there's a little bit of, like, a gray area there. But I can only assume, I assume it's more from Ryan's end because Ryan definitely doesn't like Sophie as either herself or Batwoman. So maybe that's what Sophie's apologizing for. But either way, I thought it was a really sweet moment when they were like, you know, I'm sorry. And hopefully, you know, that will grow from there somewhere, but they, it was a really nice moment when they thought that Ryan's going to die. <laughs> so. <laughs> that laughter. <laughs> that's it. Is that, is that, okay, that's, that's, that's the story, Morning Glory. All yeah. right. I, I thought that they, they built up to the gut punch that Kate was no longer among the living. 
or so we thought, uh, very well. I thought it was like really like like considering that we spent so many episodes with with the build of like oh she's alive we're gonna rescue her whatever you know then mm-hmm. after after having done all that to find out that it was for nothing was like a very effective slap in the face narratively speaking. Um, and you know everyone and everyone was at the islands. We were all gathered here today to learn about this, <laughs> so that worked out really well too. And yes, it's a particularly cruel trick for Sophia to um, to have played on Alice and everyone else, and also proof that she is thinking steps ahead and it isn't just like frailty. Thy name is woman. I am jealous, and therefore I must do this. So yes, this did add to the complexity or the interest of Sophia's character because as you had already mentioned Jessica like last week we were a little bit like okay whatever um <laughs> okay Sophia so now it's like <sighs> just, like she didn't even have to lift a finger right for Tatiana to basically do what she wanted anyway without her you know her getting her hands dirty and then she still was like screw you Tatiana <laughs> so she kind of shows that she doesn't really have any like right like no mercy from her basically um and also I think it shows off shows her off in like the best light in terms of being a formidable opponent right for her to get alice to kill ocean to get kate back and then be like psych kate is not even back and ocean's not even dead i just wanted you to kill him so <laughs> now i have him <laughs> but also i thought that alice killing ocean was a really interesting way of like both reaching the culmination of her arc in terms of loving her family and accepting that she loves her family but also kind of like subverting the possibility of like oh my family is my humanity right and that's going to re- that's going to redeem me because instead she was like okay well i'll just redirect and kill you because your life is less valuable to me than kate's life um so we still got a ways to go in terms of alice's psychotic villainy and this is probably not going to make things any better um also they finally reeled us in with the alice and ocean ship before sticking a knife in it um now it's like okay you know you built this up in like three weeks right they did a pretty good job with a like three week old ship and now they've killed him off and then they've resurrected him so if you ship it which i do know people in my life who do and were very very upset when he died and then were very excited but afraid when he was resurrected they're like oh no what song will i have to use for my music video next um so uh anyway I did also like Sophia pointing out the hypocrisy of the crows and Sophie, you know, basically agreeing with her. And I think it's a good start for that plot line that has been hinted, that has been, we've been told Sophie's going to try to change it from the inside. And we have seen nothing so far. So now it feels like, okay, we're actually getting there. Um, And I think that it's great that we're getting to see her loyalty, not just to Kate, but to the whole Batwoman team now. You know, we're going to see more and more her kind of allying with them and now especially Ryan like you said that side of that scene of her staying by Ryan's side wanting to find her trying to stop her from giving up uh was really lovely and it shows like we see how they are actually quite similar to each other like as in terms of like what their beliefs are and in terms of what they do for their loved ones also Ryan was just badass the whole episode I loved her dropping by to say hi to Sophia you know the fact that she chose herself um, I wrote and the cute, but I obviously meant and the cure. The fact that she chose herself <laughs> and chose the cure, but then also she did have a backup plan for Kate, right? I'd say it would still have been badass if she was like, you know what? I'm more important than Kate because I'm myself. But the fact that she was still like, of course I'm not going to just like leave her there. I'm planning on saving everybody, right? I'm going to save myself. I'm going to save Kate. I'm going to save them. Everybody. Um, so I love that for her, even though that did not work out as planned. In part, thanks to Alice. Alice burning the desert roses. Still iconic. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know if that, like, takes away from like 
what Sophia his you know Sophia's planning abilities like what did she think Alice was going to do when Alice found out right <laughs> so like maybe that's like minus one for, for Sophia but it was very Alice of her um and once again she is like directly opposing what Ryan needs so it's like I feel you Alice but also please stop so that's great that balance continues <laughs> Kate my poor little meow meow um I am glad that Kate is live even though it's going to cause a whole host of issues and I have a whole host of issues with it just because I feel like the ending was so unsatisfying because obviously it wasn't meant to happen that way. I wish it hadn't taken the eight episodes it took to find her be alive so then we can finally get, you know, send her on her way or whatever we're going to do. But I'm glad that was not the end. Um, Also, uh, I know no one else cares. It's just me. That Angelique is the one that gave Ryan the plant that ended up saving her life, right? (laughs) Metaphors. Okay, I that's just, not very... that's not the end point. The end point is her mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, she gave Angelique the the seeds for the plant for the plant. Yes, yes. it was her mother's love that kept that plant alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it takes a village. Okay, Jessica. It takes. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> that is all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> start with Sophia because you know she was she was uh, out there having that gumption to play the long con (laughs) she fooled Tatiana she fooled Ocean she fooled Alice um and I especially like because last week we mentioned about not necessarily loving the fact that Alice's uh, villainy her agency was sort of stripped away because she became who she is now because of Sophia. But mm-hmm. here, Sophia's like, I want you to choose to kill Ocean. And Alice chose to kill Ocean. So, like, that was her choice to go and kill her ex-lover. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I did like that. And I also like that Sophia saw potential in Sophie. I feel like Jacob's not seeing that potential in Sophie. <laughs> you know what? To be honest, like, I feel like Ocean can't blame Alice for that because he is like, it's not like they're going to, it's not like they remember each other. And if it's between, like, her sister or him, I feel like he should understand. <laughs> you still have hope for them. <laughs> oh. And then, like, the crows, obviously, like you said, Jessica, they continue getting dragged this time by comparing it to Koryana. Except, you know, she's like, we're at least there to protect our people. What are you doing? <laughs> Which was great. Um, and then Sophie bringing it up to Jacob. Um, I know that we haven't seen it happen on screen, but the fact that she's like, if we were actually fair, we were bringing justice, why are these two guys still working for us, basically, instead of being fired? Um, so all of that was great, and hopefully we'll actually... Because I feel like, didn't she, she gave, like, their badges to Ryan, so what was, to Batwoman? So wasn't that her saying that they were fired, or like... But I, I That's a good point. I thought so, too, but... Maybe they hired them back. That's why I wish they'd show us more of this stuff on screen because it does get confusing because we don't know what's going on there besides Jacob and Sophie conversing. Yeah, I thought that she said that they were fired. Like that was her, you know, trying to make it up to Batwoman that these two guys are no longer with us. Here are their badges. And Ryan was like, fuck that. (laughs) But then in this episode, she was like, if we were being true truthful and and just or whatever then they would have been fired so it sounds like somebody was lying (laughs) it's true or plot hole the writers just forgot (laughs) but yeah i i just i mean that would be like a dislike but the fact that they don't show us enough of that that would be good 
if they did, but the fact that like Sophie's at least bringing it up, hopefully we'll get to see her in more of an active role, you know, after the mid-season finale. Um, and then, of course, I already mentioned Sophie's manipulation, but the, like the way that she promised Alice her sister and then like duped her <laughs> was villainous <laughs> legend. <laughs> and uh, that whole sequence was so great. I was like, they're going to say Kate's dead. This is all leading to Kate being dead. And then obviously we know she's not dead at the end. But the fact that the characters now believe that she is like once and for all, even though, you know, it's going to (laughs) get they're going to go back to believing that she's alive. But that whole moment, that sequence was very powerful and that like people just feeling so many things at the same time. Um, And I I love that the way that they played it and the way that it was edited and everything. And like. Savia did all this. She didn't have to leave her island. She's like, I'm queen here. We're good. I just sent all my people to do whatever I want. It's all, it's fine. Um, and then Tatiana even like being revealed as the one who sent the note, like tying up all the little loose ends with regards to Koryana and that storyline. Um, and then like the love square was complete in a way. <laughs> Savia's like, I'm over these people. I'm mad that you brought them back into my life. So I'm going to stab you <laughs> in the heart until I decide, you know what's going to happen next so we really get a sense of like who Sophia is and like the plans that she has made for these people like she's not just a pawn in the game she is the queen obviously um of course she is the game she is the game (laughs) (laughs) and then like Mary and Luke's bickering it's just they're just so cute and then they're having they're starting to have like way more of that in the last couple of episodes I enjoy it very much so I'm still waiting for my ship to rise (laughs) um what else what else ryan asking sophie to stay with her because she didn't want to die alone was really really like soft and sweet and just heartbreaking because obviously we knew that ryan wasn't going to die but the fact that she believed this was the end of the road for her and even like the conversation she had with um with mary about you know if kate's still alive what's what does that mean for me as batwoman so i like that they're putting in these little tidbits here so that we know despite kate coming back into the story that Ryan is still going to continue being Batwoman, hopefully. Um, what I can assume because like that other, anything else would just be fucked up. So that's nice. That it was like brought up in within the narrative. Um, and then just like that moment between them, I just want to, sh- to ship Ryan and Sophie. So just let me <laughs> ship Ryan and Sophie, let it happen. We've got several more episodes to go make it happen. Show. <laughs> But what did not spark joy? Sophie's gonna have like a crowded dating card. I know. Julia came back. Kate is now <laughs> back. And now you want so Ryan to be in the mix. So many options. Now she's got her own little love square. <laughs> oh, what did not spark joy? I mean, it's like a broken record, but like every episode that Jacob is in, I don't like him for some reason. Usually. Um he has there's been like glimmers of where I've complimented him, but they've been very few and far in between. And like this episode is no exception. Like Tatiana calls him out, like your organization, you claim to be so high and mighty and just and all this shit. You look down on Coriana, but we are the same as the crows. We are just honest about what we do. And then Sophie like follows up on that. She's like, well, she's not wrong. And Jacob is like, and (laughs) like, he doesn't even want to entertain like a discussion on the morality of the crows and what they do and what they've become. 
Um, and that's, it's just, he's not even like willing to entertain it, which is really <sighs> Jacob, I guess. I don't know. I don't have any, like my expectations are in like hell for Jacob. So it's not like I expect him to be reflective or whatever, but just like, there's no joy in the way that he likes to be on this moral high ground. Like he was still like talking shit about like Catherine and um, Hamilton dynamics and all this other stuff and refuses to look at his own glass house. And so like, you know, until he does that, I cannot stand him. Um, and then we have that, like, this is a really good episode. So my, my dislikes are few and far in between, but it was Jacob. <laughs> and then it was, you know, the, it's, it wasn't even a reveal of like Wallace Day's cake game. Cause I had no idea who the fuck that was at the end of the episode or what it was. Um, but then like the casting came out and physically, like I said, it makes sense. She resembles Ruby and she looks super related to Rachel, but, um, and it's, it's like predictable because the majority of fans, like, you know, were like fan casting her as an obvious or obvious replacement. Um, but I just like, she gives me bad vibes <laughs> from Krypton. Um, because I like, I feel like she was like Danielle Panabakering, like harder than Danielle Panabaker. And just in that, <laughs> in that instance, she happened to like win quote unquote, um, with the way that the show went and, you know, I like, honestly, I don't know if it was just producers being shit producers and, and doing like a bait and switch because the way that I remember all of the promotion for the show was mainly around Lyda and Seg being like this Romeo Juliet romance and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I remember like, uh, Georgina Campbell was on social media at the beginning, but she kind of like dropped off really quickly because fandom, obviously fandom, and I don't think she felt like she had a lot of support. And so I remember her like kind of disappearing from social media. And so that plus Wallace, like I don't know, maybe they promised her or she already knew from the start where her character's trajectory was going to go. But, and so you know, maybe she didn't think she was doing anything wrong, but I just feel like with the promotion being what it was with and the whole bait and switch that they tried to pull, they, I don't think they really even tried to fully flesh out a Seglita arc or anything. Um, it just left me with bad vibes. So while it's predictable that I think she'd be cast as a replacement for Kate, I think it's also the fact that... <laughs> There was no kind of expectation in the audience that we would get her back. So it's like a little bit of shock and a little bit of like, man, you know, this girl that gave me bad vibes in this other show is now on this show where her character used to be the lead of the show. So um, the North remembers. That's all I will say about it. (laughs) And I'll be like, possibly her to be like, Jorel's grandma basically that that was confirmed on the show what now uh, her character yeah yeah she is, is. like yeah. that was all confirmed oh, was so maybe she knew that like maybe you know it's I should be blaming the producers for doing like the whole bait and switch and the the network and promotion or whatever I don't know maybe she knew that from the beginning and it's like their fault for 
being assholes and doing this like bait and switch with a black woman. I don't know. But I'm just like, you know, we'll see. And you know what happens when you do that kind of bait and switch? You get canceled. It's that, that's that karma. That's that twisted karma. You know? You know who didn't do that bait and switch? The Flash. Seven seasons strong. Seven seasons, seven seasons seven strong. Seasons. <laughs> Meanwhile, y'all, as soon as you do it, it's like cancellation town. Yeah. Don't know why. Don't know why it happens. It's just like that. But. And then everyone's like, oh, Krypton. I was like, y'all, just stop lying to yourselves. It was a bad show. <laughs> right. <laughs> they had great characters. I feel like they had the best. Yeah. Um, Zod. They did have a good Zod, for sure. Yeah, and I liked um, what's his face. Uh, hmm. The damn it. Who are what? you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no. Light- Lida's friend. No, it's like the hunter, the um, bounty hunter. Oh, I vaguely remember. Yeah. It's all okay. slipping away. Very memorable, I see. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> well, mine is like alcohol induced, honestly, at the moment. <laughs> hey, hey, I drank too, so I'm going to claim they that. Gonna claim him, that. They almost gave him like a spinoff, so like that was like how... how oh, curious. are we talking about Adam? Oh, the, the dude they met on the planet, he was banned yeah, to like the second hunter. season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That oh, was right. Wait, too. Lobo? Is that Lobo? Lobo. Lobo. Oh, yes. okay, okay. <laughs> It, this is this is all because I didn't watch season two, so I literally did not know who you. I did not watch. I watched like a couple episodes in the season two. Uh-huh. He was oh, okay. I, yeah, I, I just totally forgot he was coming. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, so um, I basically agree with your dislikes. I mean, Jacob, obviously, I'm always going to dislike him. Also, I still think Sophia is kind of dumb because the whole like I already mentioned, like now she's burned all your desert roses. What are you going to do? Just go <laughs> off with sure. one. That was that was. <laughs> she will right. bleed all over the ones that remain. <laughs> exactly right. I guess. Um. And then, and then finally, the Wall Estate thing again for like, for the same reason. In that, performance wise, I've only seen her in Krypton, and it's not like the character didn't call to me, and and nothing that she did with, with the role called to me. You know, that because the character already wasn't working, so she didn't make it stand out. Not that I'm saying like she's not a good actress or that she couldn't do it with something else, but so far she hasn't called to me. Plus the whole. Danielle Panabreakering thing. Like, I do feel like um, I have a little bit of, you know, bad, bad blood with her. But I will withhold judgment until I see how the plot uses her. I'm more concerned, less with the casting and more with just, like, I don't want the return of Kate to take away from Ryan's story. I don't want Ryan to lose the mantle of Batwoman, which she's spent this season earning thus far. And because that would be a severe bait and switch. You know, we were told this is the new Batwoman. Um, and you went out of your way to cast a black woman as that woman, making her the first lead, you know, female superhero on the CW. Right. Um, so it would be. I feel like they wouldn't do that. I mean, I hope they better not. So, so yeah, that would be, that's just like my main concern is like, I don't want the return of Kate to really take away from Ryan. I hope that it wraps up. I hope they're able to wrap up Kate's arc and send her off to her happy ending, whatever that might be, you know, by the end of the season. And then. We can get back, you know, we could get what would now be a post-Kate Batwoman show. I guess she could, I mean, I guess she could be like the guy in the chair or whatever, even though then what would Luke be doing? It's just far, it's hard for me to imagine a show where they keep Kate and still have Ryan be Batwoman, you know? So I hope that they just, just don't have competing, we don't want two poles. Unless the ship is going to suddenly be 
Kate and Ryan, which is very unlikely. Ew. So. <laughs> <laughs> LMAO. But yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, shall we do feedback yet? Nope, because May has not said her dislikes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I forgot that I was not the one that was controlling the conversation. <laughs> but I mean, my dislikes are generally your dislikes anyway. My my issue is obviously I have the same feelings about Wallace Day and just in general people wanting to like I feel like the Batwoman role in terms of Kate Kane herself is just cursed because they just keep finding actresses who are not that great to be in those roles like um but anyway and people like you know wanting to stand like mediocre white women I'm like okay I guess whatever that's your thing but in terms of Kate as the character like I mean I'm glad on one hand that the writers are trying to fulfill the promise of not killing her off because they, they, they did say that in the summer. They're like, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to find a way to wrap up her story. It's like, great. But how are you going to do that? Now that we know, I do want them to wrap it up. Because I really, you know, so far, even with Kate off screen, it has been about, let's find Kate. I'm in mourning over Kate. I want to kill Kate. Whatever has going on with Kate. That there is, like Ryan has gotten some focus. But there could be a whole lot more to her that we don't know stories that still need to you know be told with her for her and i feel like kate coming back like we've even had like petty fans in our (laughs) in our inbox on tumblr you know like this whole battle over like kate versus versus ryan i don't like that at all i don't like that competition they were like you know at before all the Ryan fans were like, didn't care, weren't sympathetic about Kate. But now that Kate's coming back, she's going to be a big part of season two that no one's going to focus on Ryan. And I feel really happy about that. I'm like, well, you look like a clown to me. And they're like, well, actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I'm just retaliating because people were hurting me about Kate. And I was like, hey, I've been here the whole time, like, wishing Kate was not dead. So just so you know, right. you could have had an ally, <laughs> but you were an asshole. Yes. So you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I just don't like the the idea of people comparing, and people are always the, the racists are always gonna be like, oh, the white girl. I'm just like, no, no, well, the show is not about Ryan now. <laughs> when Wallace's like um, announcement was dropped, like a lot of people on their tweets, like, oh my god, she can be Batwoman, and so it's already there's already that you know section of fans that are hoping that she will take up the mantle, which is why like I feel like. You know, it needs to be clear in the next episode why she will not take up the mantle. Yeah, I agree. And then in terms of Jacob, obviously, like, I don't like him either. But what frustrates me the most is that I don't feel like the writers actually think of him as a character. He's just sort of there. They They hate him. They don't think he's a person. They don't ever get him to talk about any of his feelings. They don't want him to be a good dad. It's like, why do you hate this man so much? And if you hate him this much, why do you continue having him be on the show if he's not going to serve a a great purpose of actually, like, he's got all these little kids running around. He should actually try to be there for him because I don't understand why they make him so attached to the crows. Like, what is the reason? (laughs) And they don't give it to us. And that's so frustrating. So he's just... He's just like this one dimensional person walking around being whatever they need him to be at the time, which is, and it's always the same. So I feel like they need to just, they need to change how they think about him and how they write him because it's not working and it needs to end. Um, And now we can get to feedback. (laughs) Wonderful. I believe that we begin with Shang. 
All right. <laughs> hey there, lovely ladies. Oh, first he had complaints about Supergirl, but it's okay because we're all released the trailer and it's fine. By the time the email was sent, the trailer was released and there was Lena punching Luther, so I think that counts. <laughs> now, Batwoman. Wallace Day is an altered Kate Kane. From Superman's grandmother to Batwoman, huh? <laughs> I'm not too mad at this casting face-wise, but I would need to see the acting. I did enjoy her on Krypton, though. Okay, there we go. We got a vote for an okay vote. Uh, Ryan jumping out of the plane is the reason why I love her. She's so relatable. And, you know, even heroes can be scared of what we think would be trivial matters to them. True. It makes her more approachable as a hero. Queen chick. Yep. <laughs> I did love that line. Why couldn't Sophia just admit she loves Alice and give me some homoerotic tension? Come on. Be a killer lesbian. Let's go. Disappointed <laughs> she wouldn't just stab Alice, too. True. Just confess that you were in love and then go ham. That turn on Tatiana, though, cold. Every time y'all say my name, I'm like, wait, what? Me? <laughs> Sophie spilled straight facts and tea about the crows. Time for Jacob to, to look into his retirement plan. Yes. Luke, Mary, Plant. Yes, I forgot to mention that. They were so funny. Why was it so funny despite them <laughs> trying not to get it killed? Julia! So, are we finally getting Black Mask? And the answer is yes. Yes, we are. Um, next up is Marie. I love that it says she's back and it's whack. <laughs> this was my favorite episode yet. Everything finally came together. Ryan really stood out. She was adorable and lively, having so much fun in the suit. It was like the first two episodes, and I really enjoyed it. Nothing made me pause except the fact that no one ran to grab a desert rose. Yes, that's true. The fire wasn't raging all at once. Sophie could have swiped one for Ryan, or Sophia could have run and grabbed a handful instead of standing there watching them burn. Like, girl, that's your everything. Pick up the pace. Cry later. <laughs> In terms of this recast, I'm cautiously hopeful. On the one hand, I'm excited for Kate's return because I really did like her, and I initially wanted a recast, as did I. It is not a new idea for shows to do it all the time. In fact, Black Lightning just did it. And the news of Ruby Rose's departure was huge. No one would have been mad at them. The show is comic-based. Weird shit happens. They literally have someone who swaps faces. It's not hard. But they changed course, and they should have stuck with that. I feel like bringing Ryan Kate back now is a bit of a cop-out. And they've said they're going to keep Ryan as Batwoman, but I don't trust them. I already felt like they weren't really invested in developing Ryan, and this solidifies that. Mostly, I feel bad for Javicia. She's been great in the role. Ryan taking the mantle was a really big deal. Some fans of the show have been hard on her from the jump, and this news doesn't help as they're already calling for Ryan to be demoted. Annoying, as Kate Kane's plot could have been wrapped up in the pilot and given us closure. This was a lazy decision by the people in charge, and I think Tavisia and Ryan deserve better. I agree. And then Suara. This week's Batwoman was interesting. I guess I liked that Ryan was right about Alice and her not wanting to kill Kate. Yeah. But the way it was ex executed seemed a bit lopsided. Did they uh -huh. ultimately reduce Ryan to be supporting Alice yes. while she was dying, no less? Uh -huh. Okay, then. Yeah. Yeah. I did honestly find the episode overall exciting to watch, even if the plot elements were far less than ideal. Yeah, I agree with that. I still don't care about Ocean. <laughs> well, fine. <laughs> be rude. A little something. Yeah. Which stabbed him. Right. A little and Honestly, the everything's a fire. Right. That's <laughs> one size. Not all three, but it was getting there. I found it to be overwrought overall. I do not care about Kate's dad. I've forgotten his name. Deserved. I ultimately think the thing I came out within this episode with is I kind of ship Ryan and Sophie now. I'm glad that although Kate's coming back, she's not going to take the mantle of Batwoman again, which has some precedence in, Bat in Batman Mystery of the Batwoman from 2003. Well, thanks. But come on, Caroline. You had the perfect chance to just cast a Jewish actress and you blew it. That's true. That's true. They still didn't do that. There's no lies detected. Also, I don't know anything about Wallace Day's sexuality. Is she a lesbian? 
I I think she's bi. I, I feel like there was because in Krypton, her character was also bisexual, and I feel like she made like a, a deal about that. Well, that's I cool. Feel like there's there's something. Well, that's plus one for her then for 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 making a deal like that. I'm saying not not because for being bisexual plus one. No. <laughs> um, Sonia has that one feedback, and you did send it in on time. Congratulations. Sorry for the delay in getting that one feedback to you. I usually watch the show while walking in the treadmill, but with spring being here and the weather being better outdoors, I've been doing more outdoors walks. Well, that's very, very good for you. Anyways, I finally watched Batwoman, and I'm providing my very late feedback. I thought it was a great episode, one of the best of the season so far. They actually made it to Koreana. It wasn't just a dead end. I thought the opening sequence with Ryan and Alice writing to Kate was done so well. I agree. And just the like the use of hallucinations and flashbacks last episode, their respective letters really showed their journey of both their characters. I love the Luke and Mary dynamic and how they somehow took down an assassin at Mary's insistence of Ryan of getting Ryan's plant and Luke's exasperation at Mary wanting to get the plant. Agreed. It was hilarious with Ryan jumping out of the plane to land on Coriana and Luke in her ear made it even funnier. I'm glad Ryan chose the flower over Kate, not just because Kate wasn't even there, and it would have been a waste, but also because even if Kate is there, how would Ryan survive to get Kate home if she's dying? It might have been a controversial decision, but I'm glad she chose herself, especially because she's given an impossible choice. I think Sophie had a lot more to do this episode, and that was also fantastic. I feel like this season she's been shafted a lot, so it was nice to see her stand up for what she believes in, whether it was insisting they take a desert rose back or talking about how corrupt the crows are. So true. Um, I'm glad that in the end, Alice decided not to kill Kate, but it was also heartbreaking to find out Kate was never there. Uh, the scene with all the replicas of Kate and Beth's necklace was creepy as fuck. Like, what are you doing, Sophia, and why? <laughs> yeah, why did you need so many of them? She is committed to her plans. How many people do you think that she scammed telling them that Kate is alive with this necklace? She just send them out to all different kinds of people to see who would bite. Um, I'm, I can't believe Tatiana faked the entire Kate thing to get revenge on Alice. Oh my god, Why? The fact that Sophia stabbed her with a knife that heals automatically when you take it out and then told Ocean that she would take it out when she was when she was ready to forgive. Like, yes, Queen, even though you scare me. Um, I also would like wonder how there are body parts and DNA confirming Kate's death, despite that ending scene. But this is the show that fake DNA results with deer bones. So that's that's true. You, like, I feel like hmm? I read somewhere, I heard somewhere that Cartwright was gonna make like um a reappearance in season two. It's oh. like a prediction or whatever, but I feel like if there is a person that can like cut off faces and make new ones, I feel like there's just because Kate lost some body parts does not mean that there's not someone out there that could put other body parts back together. Right, right. So more of like a Frankenstein, which would explain her face being different. So it's not, you know, they didn't find a body, they found parts of a body. I see, I see, I see. All right. I guess they, 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 they brought her back like Frankenstein's monster then. I guess that's what it is. Uh, Ryan's plant was the Desert Rose the entire time. I kind of figured when they made a big show of the assassin landing on the plant and bleeding all over it. But I was shocked because wasn't this the plant Ryan gave to Angelique? Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> or given to Ryan by Angelique, sorry. Even if Angelique didn't know it was a Desert Rose, how did it come to be in her possession if no one is supposed to leave that island? Many questions. Ocean. Yeah, it's Ocean. Yes. Um... We already discussed this. God, weren't you listening, Sonia? I'm just kidding. Come on. <laughs> yes! Just kidding! Keep so- up. <laughs> Sophie and Ryan can make it back in time to save Ryan's life. Hopefully, obviously. They will. And that uh, ending scene, holy crap. I knew they would have to do something like that to bring Kate back. I wonder, well, now you know who, you, we've already told you who they're going to recast. And it is 
Wallace Day. Congratulations to her. Unfortunately, they did not find a Jewish actress. I am so sorry. Alexa played Esposito. <laughs> um, maybe Kate will want to hang up the backs, the Batsuit for good and just ride off into the sunset with Sophie, leave the mantle for Ryan. Maybe they'll team up. Maybe they'll be like a Batwoman Batgirl kind of thing. Oh, I like all these options. Um, I don't want Sophie to leave, but I do want her to have a happy ending with Kate. So, you know, torn, torn. All right. It is sent. It is included. We love you, Sonia. Thank you so much. I think that concludes our Batwoman feedback. So. Predictions. <laughs> Do you have any? I don't know that because I'm trying to think of like my predictions, but I feel like there's a lot of like interesting ways that they can go with Kate now that we actually have like a physical person and then she's actually back. Um, because it goes back to what um like Tati was saying about, you know, want Sophie to have a happy ending, but Kate also has to go because Caroline Dry said that they would resolve Kate's story without killing her, which is what they are doing. And the last that we heard from Kate is that she poured her heart out in a love letter to Sophie, basically saying, like, I love you. And as far as we know, nothing has changed. So there's, you know, a couple of different options. If Sophie, they try to work it out and and move off. I oh okay. Here's the prediction because I don't think that we know that now that Wallace is Kate and that Kate is the person that we saw at the end. But I don't think that we'll see Kate return to the Bat Team immediately, just because you know it's not clear. We don't know anything about this person, so we don't know that Kate even knows herself or what she's doing or how she got there. We don't know. Um, like all the other characters think that she's dead now. So in the beginning, like in the first half of the season, there's all this focus on Kate's mystery and it took up half the cast worrying about Kate and where she is. And they weren't really growing anywhere, which is a, a huge part of the frustration for a lot of people. But now they all think definitively that she's dead. So now they are starting to move on. And so when, I feel like when the, writers say that, that that Kate will be a big part of back half season two. We'll see like what's Kate, what Kate has been up to kind of like green, um, green arrow where you get like all these flashbacks of Oliver in his time, you know, they are important for the story, but they don't really connect back to the, the main cast. So I don't know that I see, I think that we'll see Kate flashbacks and how she got there, but I don't necessarily think that we'll see her immediately get back to the cast either because she doesn't remember or because she is still quote unquote undercover or whatever. Um, maybe we don't know that if we don't know if she even knows about Ryan being Batwoman or what's happening. Maybe she feels like she doesn't want to like come back into that right away. So there could be a little bit of, we see Kate and we see Kate's story, but it's in a separate like silo. So I feel like that's an option. Um, and then eventually, like, obviously there's going to be some point where she does come into the Bat Team. But I feel like it'll be more, then we'll get a story of, like, Ryan not feeling like she's worthy and having to give the mantle back. But Kate being like, you deserve the mantle. And maybe we'll see some kind of, like, mentorship there. Um, and leading to either Kate taking over the Crows. Because I feel like we had an anon. It's like, I have the perfect solution. Jacob dies. <laughs> well, yes, done. <laughs> yeah, and then either Sophie takes over the crows or Kate takes over the crows. Um, so that could be an option. There's, there's, it's like a whole lot of options that they could do 
Because I feel like they wouldn't have cast Wallace just for, obviously not just for one episode, which is why she'll probably be in, in the rest of the back half of the season. But, you know, thinking of whether they'll continue her on past season two or in her story in season two, there's a lot of open-endedness there. And I think that they need to make clear that she's not going to pick up the mantle again. And this is Ryan's show for it to be like a possibility of her staying versus her leaving for good. And whether Sophie goes with her or not. So that's that's a very long-winded prediction. (laughs) (laughs) Tati, do you have any thoughts? No thoughts, head empty. I I really, yeah, because it's hard because it's just like there's things I want to happen versus just, you know. I don't even, I have no idea what will happen. So that's all I have. <laughs> Things I want to happen <laughs> would like, I would like, you know, Sophie, Sophie to get her happy ending with Kate. And then maybe she's just happy with Kate. Maybe they're just happy. Right. And then Kate is just off screen. Cause Kate's like, I'm living a civilian life now. And then Sophie's just like, yeah, I'm going to go cook dinner for Kate. See you guys later. <laughs> I'll, I'll predict really wildly that Brian Cranston will be like the Joker or something. <laughs> Wild. That is wild. Yeah. I think it's fitting because, you know, like you said, he they can't bring him in unless it's something Big. huge. So we shall see if he will ever show up or if Rachel was just lying to us. <laughs> Rachel's a liar! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving into side B, support group, we've got The Flash. The Flash must deal with Abracadabra sudden return to Central City, the villain is back with a vengeance and a score to settle because he wants to zap Central City out of existence after restoring his memories of pre-crisis timeline, only to discover he had a wife and a kid who are no longer around and blames Flash for it all, because of course he does. Wahaha. Um, meanwhile, Allegra deals with a tricky situation. What was that? They're not even his wife and kids. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Allegra deals with a tricky situation. She's avoiding Iris because she doesn't want to be honest, but finally gives her the truth about adding a personal touch to her story about Mirror Monarch. While interviewing other Mirror survivors, Iris is also forced to contend with her own trauma about her time there. Finally, Caitlin suspects something's off with Frost because she's having headaches. And surprise, now there is two of them both in different bodies. So there you go. Jeff Burr directed the episode with a story by Kristen Kim and teleplay by Joshua V. Gilbert and Jeff Hirsch. What sparked joy? Sparked joy that Kristen Kim has actually part of a really good... <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so now we know she's got good story ideas. Okay. See, because she did the story. She just needs to let someone else handle the dialogue. That's all we need. <laughs> Oh, is that the only first? one thing oh, that sparked sorry. joy? <laughs> I thought I thought that I thought that that was her going first. But if you want me to go first, I totally agree with that. Um, and yes, I do think it was a much stronger episode, especially than last week. And then in general, it's been we've been used to expecting from the Flash. And what's interesting is that conceptually, it is just as cheesy. You know, oh, we're gonna talk down the villain. Oh, the power of love is what's gonna save us, etc. Basically, you know. And yet, it felt so much stronger. I think because. A, obviously, I'm very happy that Iris got a full kind of like arc to herself, right? She's processing her her grief or her trauma. She had someone in her corner, even if that person was Allegra. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with Allegra. Just, you know, it was kind of weird. It's not her husband. But I totally loved Allegra first. (laughs) It was was funny that Allegra was worried about talking to Iris. Not just because 
she thought that Iris's, you know, she had she had things to say about Iris's article, but also because she knows she's too harsh, right? So she knows she's going to come off like, this is garbage, <laughs> instead of just being like, oh, maybe you can fix this. So that part was cute. And then the fact that Iris took her advice in stride, and then at the end was like, okay, you're going to get promoted, right? Obviously, you need to be more than an intern. That was really sweet. I really liked their mentorship dynamic. I look forward to seeing more of it with Iris, you know, being on top again and not just sloppily writing one article a day. I don't know how this website maintains itself, but that's fine. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I also really thought it was cute that Barry was, you know, rushing around, like, you know, wanting to go to Monaco and like bring her all these gifts and stuff in order to try to like, that was like to earn her forgiveness. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, they finally had one of their little heart to hearts, which was, albeit one sided, was brought, you know, that is like classic Iris, right? Iris always is there to solve Barry's problem or to help him understand himself. And then, you know, we, we, we have to wait for the Iris validation. But this <laughs> time, she did get it from Allegra and from random strangers who were clearly representing Barry and Iris because. <laughs> It was the person who was trapped in the mirror watching the other person not recognize their loved one. Um, so yeah, I thought there was like good parallelism there. Also, this kind of is a prediction, I guess, but I did like that we started off seeing Barry, you know, doing PR, like doing that interview on television with a reporter on 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 TV, right? And then we, Iris at the end says she's got to do more than the article. So that, like, for me, I was like, oh, she's going to, like, transition to, like, broadcast also, is what I felt. I don't know why. That just seemed like that was just the logical step. <laughs> it felt like he was pointing to that. Because I, I remember at the beginning of the episode, I was like, why the fuck isn't Iris doing that interview? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> Iris doing that. And at the end, she's like, I need to do more. The journalist but- pivots from writing to video. We all weep. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, my prediction was literally that, like, Ariel would continue, like, recurring, come, popping up here and there. And that there would be, like, a, like... Iris would buy out her public access TV show. Right, so there you go. See? <laughs> there you go. They'll, they'll merge. She'll make it part of Central yes. Central. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally, I feel it. I feel it. But anyway, because it just seemed, I was like, what is she doing here again? What's up? So yeah, I agree. Something's, ha- something's brewing there. But anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, all of Iris's plot was really great. I love that she got to like, actually like stand up and like speak about her trauma in the <laughs> Mirrorverse survivors. <laughs> um, and I'm now forgetting everything else that happened because I just love that part so much. But I did think, like, we'll have stuff to say about, I'll have something to say about Abigail and Abigail and the other part. But I do think, like, the concept of a villain make taking Barry to task for ripping away some other version of existence, it's, like, a good callback to or just like echo of the first time that Barry did that you know with a uh, flashpoint right where he erased Sarah Diggle you know and then that's <laughs> a cause of much stress for um, for Lila and um and John and you know Barry didn't aside from people being like we don't like that you did that Barry right <laughs> or Cisco being like well my brother's dead now and I don't like that he could be alive you dumb ho um now we're seeing like that sort of come to Barry under task for that again. Um, so that was interesting. <sighs> yeah. I liked that Tom Cavanaugh was not in the credits and we didn't see Wells. I don't know <laughs> what this means. 
else, I'm like, because Tom Cow has always been in the credits, even if he's not in the episode because he's a regular. Interesting. I didn't know. And now he wasn't in the credits. So I'm like, has he been, has he changed to recurring? recurring? Yeah. I wouldn't call it being demoted because I'm sure it's what he wanted. I'm sure they would not have let him. Demote, you know, they, he demoted himself. He's but enjoying time traveling off screen, you know. Exactly right. So, so that was interesting, and I'm looking forward to that. LOL. <laughs> um, I loved Cisco and uh, Cisco and Chester. They're so funny together. I like that they're just like they found like a kindred spirit in each other. Talking about Star Wars and Doctor Who, Fortnite, Fortnite. Yeah. So that was all really fun. Um, I also just think like I thought it was a really strong. It's it's weird because. Like, I agree, since it is the premiere, you know, technically, it's a really strong premiere. But it was even stronger or better as a transitional episode. Like, it felt like a really good way to go from, like, to smoothly go from the end of last season, or the last arc, if you will, to the beginning of this one. Because we still got Iris dealing with the after effects of one, which might have felt a little bit, like, I don't know that they would have done that if it had been the start of the season, you know? I feel like that part wouldn't have been in there as much. Because mm. it's like, well, time has passed. Okay, moving on, you know, to the next thing. Because if right. there's some, like, I guess it's like in season two, maybe Barry was like, I'm depressed. But it wasn't really something <laughs> that they worked on together. You know, it was just kind of like, me sad. Oh, here's Jay. Okay, moving on. Um, so I feel like it was, it worked as a really good transition. And it even, like, we don't, still don't really know, right, what next season, what this next season is about. Like, I guess we can guess it's the strength force because of man that we will talk about, it, the obvious lack of joy. But, it's still not clear, like, what is the big bad? What is the journey here? You know, so. The big bad is Wes Allen. It's themselves. It's themselves, yeah. <laughs> Look into your heart. Um, so, yeah, that is what I have to say. Yeah, I feel like this was, you know, it was a really strong episode, probably possibly the best, like, quote-unquote season premiere in recent years for me. Um, but I do agree with what you said, because I, I, I was thinking about that, like, if this was like the true season premiere, how, you know, would audience or fans be receptive to going from, you know, where we left off at the end of graphic novel two or whatever to the start in this one, if there was like months in between. Um, so that was interesting that you said that. Cause I don't know. We don't know how far they got along in writing probably not into season seven. I don't know. I don't know how they far they got into writing, but um, it would be interesting to see like if this was a season seven, episode one, after however many months of hiatus, what it would have looked like if it would have looked any different. But the way that it was, you know, presented to us this season as an episode four, I thought it was really strong. I thought it created a really strong bridge between the last graphic novel and the new one um I feel like I love what the superhero genre in general is doing about processing grief and trauma and mental health because we you know we did WandaVision and we talked about you know that process of grief and then um you know on Black Lightning they're dealing with grief and now on The Flash we're also dealing with like trauma and grief and, and mental health it's like the other girlies are just like overdosing on COVID stories because it's like COVID everywhere it's like all of the like medical shows are talking about COVID and I'm like I don't want to hear about COVID like, no one asked for this storyline so like while the other girlies are doing <laughs> COVID stories we're going to therapy <laughs> in like the Marvel and DC <laughs> universe over here 
So, and I, I really like the parallel perspectives of the people that were taken, um, which is kind of like represented by Barry in this episode. And, you know, um, well, no, the people that were taken, like Iris and the other people that went into the mirror versus the people that were left behind. It's like similar to in Marvel, like the blip, the people that were blipped and the people that were left behind by the blip and how both sides have like different traumas and perspectives of having to live through no one being there for five years versus like not existing for five years and coming back. And so I feel like similar, similarly in the flash, you have people that were stolen into the mirrorverse and kept captive and having to watch their loved ones be um, duped by these mirror copies. And then you have the people that, were still in the real world and the ones that were being duped with like Barry with Iris. Um, so it's interesting, like seeing like both perspectives um, and like Barry bless his heart. He is working like overtime with the gifts. There's like a really, like a lot of really good West Allen romantic scenes, like the opening scene, we get to the loft and, you know, Iris is coming home and Barry is like, whipping out all the candles and it's similar to in season three when he's like getting ready to propose so he's doing all this like romantic stuff and it's not what she needs <laughs> but he is trying to to like make up to her in in some kind of way with like gifts and surprise trips to show her how happy that she is that she's back number one and then two how sorry he is for not noticing something was off because if he had noticed something was off and could have saved her and she and she wouldn't be as hurt as she is so he is trying it's not the support that she needs but he is trying um so i thought that that was really good i thought that um you know the dynamic between allegra and iris when iris comes back and she's like trying to write about the story but she's trying to write from a distance and i feel like it's um, well, it's not always the, the healthiest or the best way to deal with things. I think it's very consistent for Iris from what he, we've seen, whether it's the writer's fault for not giving Iris supportive people so that she can open up, or it's just Iris's character trait. I feel like there's a combination of the writers didn't do shit for so long and now it's her character trait. But right. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't really she likes to take herself out of the narrative a lot of times. And so this is something that was traumatic that happened to her, but she's trying to take herself out of the narrative. And Allegra is like, well, that's not really going to work here because what people need is the voice of someone that understands them. And that's you. Um, and so getting like Iris's arc throughout this episode of getting to an understanding of, you know, sharing her pain and sharing her trauma would be the most healthiest option for her I thought was really really um good and her getting to hear like the experiences of other people that went through similar things and then I think at the end when she was like um talking about her own experience and she's like I was in there for three months and there's like this big gas like oh my god like she's been in there for three months right right it's <laughs> like most of the other people probably been in there for like maybe a week or two at tops because by the time she like Mira Monarch got to taking over the world or central city, you know, I has been there for like so much longer. So I thought, you know, that was really powerful for her to be able to stand in front of people and kind of give her story. 
So I really like the arc for her there. I really like the arc for Barry in, um, you know, acknowledge like his his like guilt and uh, acknowledging that he is sorry that he didn't know that she wasn't herself. And um, although there are op- there are parts of that. What's Alan Hurts heart that will go in the no joy section? I think that it was good, just kind of classic What's Alan Hurts heart in that sense. Was, there's a joy there. And I also like that Iris was telling Barry that, you know, this is something traumatic that happened to you and it's not your fault. Um, so I thought that there, there's a good point there. And I thought, um, The way, I, well, I have thoughts about Abracadabra and, and Barry's come to Jesus moment, so I'll save that. But, um, you know, obviously, Iris is the whisperer when it comes to like conquering Barry's roadblocks. <laughs> so the fact that that heart's heart led to him understanding what Abracadabra needed to hear um, was good. And I like, like Tati said, Chester and Cisco's um, chemistry together. I thought it was really, really nice to see because I feel like a lot of people feel like there's a lot of overlap between the two characters. So, and usually if one is there, the other is not. So it was nice to see both of them there and how they kind of complement each other and they don't like duplicate each other. So there's room for both of them and there's, and they kind of like flourish in that. So, um, you know, it won't be like overcrowded in terms of their roles on the team. So I like that a lot too. Um, yeah. May? <laughs> All wonderful points. I will say that with regards to the, about the whole transition thing, because I feel like they would still have done some of it because they did do it for the season six premiere with regards to like Iris's grief over Nora um, and kind of like overcoming, you know, missing her. Um, And it's interesting because I know obviously like this part will go in my dislikes, but you know, you guys mentioned Barry, like the heart to heart was like very one-sided, but what was interesting is, is I guess watching like West Allen be connected again and also sort of disconnected because they've also been apart for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of like Barry is so focused on making sure that he makes Iris happy because of his guilt that he's like, so involved with like how he's feeling and, and putting up a front for her. And she's worried about putting up a front about being looking happy and everything like that, that they're not sort of like connecting because even when, um, like Iris doesn't really talk to Barry until she's like, oh, I talked to Cisco and he said you you had like a moment. So I came, you know, came by to talk to you. So it's like they're not really seeing each other's pain in a way uh, unless somebody else is pointing it out to them. So I thought that was really interesting. And what I did like is that it brought it did bring like Iris and Allegra closer together because for so long we've discussed, you know, Iris not having any any girlfriends and always having to rely on Barry specifically or like her dad, um, who is completely non-existent anymore. (laughs) But she finally gets to talk to someone besides team people who are necessarily on Team Flash and have been 
primarily on Barry's side the whole from like the very beginning. So we have someone who is on Iris's team who's pointing these things out to her, making sure she's like being heard, telling her what she needs to hear, you know, at any given point in time, especially after her like mirror verse experience. So it was really nice that we had like Allegra sort of tell her what was, you know, that she needed to have a, like a more personal touch for the article and then kind of bookending it with Iris speaking out and Allegra kind of being there for her. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that was a really nice moment. And it's nice that ha- Iris finally has like a friend who is a woman. <laughs> Not just like a friend, but because like Allegra sees Iris as like her boss or mentor, like someone that looks up to Iris, I think was like really important. I know like a lot of people are kind of like back and forth on Allegra, depending on her attitude at the end of the day. But um, I feel like she is Team Iris 100%, which is really nice to see more of that coming Agreed. Agreed, yeah, for sure. And I, I do really like that. And just, I like the focus on all of the emotions in this episode like they brought back there was a lot of heart there was a lot of heart to hearts (laughs) there was just a lot of kind of like settling into their new reality and even though you know we have like COVID times we still got to see like you know we have sex innuendos (laughs) with Wes Allen <laughs> so that was yeah. really sweet. just like finally like just having them be in so many scenes together it was just like we've been so deprived for so long <laughs> so that was really nice um and of course like again like you said Tati you know having that cheese factor in it like you know Barry and Iris are so powerful they can talk down villains with pep talks and love <laughs> and using that on Abracadabra who is like a fun you know, future villain who just drop comes by to drop in things about like, oh, you're probably going to fight the Cronarch in the future or something like that. Um, so it's, they have like an interesting dynamic and it was nice to at least see like Barry talk to him and also have Abracadabra for like a split second become more of, of an ally and like that hope for the future that that would actually happen and they would no longer be enemies um so all of that was really great and i think that the episode flowed really well it handled so many various characters and their emotions really well iris's speech at the end was very emotional and it was just like very impactful and effective and all that um almost made me teary so I think that like Candace delivered that really, really well. And of course, like Cisco and Chester's friendship, because I guess like people will probably see like Chester and be like, is he replacing Cisco? Is Carlos leaving? <laughs> but it was really nice that they're actually like forging a friendship together and right, like, right. you know, and not just having Cisco necessarily just interact with like Caitlin and being there for Caitlin. He's also getting somebody um, that he can hang out with. Um, while Barry is also busy doing stuff. So he's sort of got like a new fun best friend that he can, or at least like someone he can take under his wing, sort of like Iris is taking Allegra under her wing. Cisco's like taking Chester under his wing. So that's really nice to see. Um, Yeah. So I think like in terms of character development and character uh, sharing of emotions and feelings was just really, really well done. But uh, what did not spark joy? Uh, Okay. Well, I guess I'll just start with, it's not like I wasn't even really that mad about it. Cause like, and you explained it well too. Like they were both kind of like not understanding where the other was coming from at first. Um, but I did, I did think it was like, not even so much that Iris didn't get to speak her piece in the scene with Barry. 
Because obviously he's already, he already knows, like, he's obviously feeling guilty because he knows that she went through trauma, right? So it's not like he's not aware of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just thought it was weird that it was Allegra in the scene when Iris is at the, is is at the meeting at the end and she's giving her story. I thought it would totally support that Allegra was there, girl power, besties, mentorship. Like you already said, Allegra is 100% Iris and we love that. But especially because the parallel of who she was interviewing when they were like confronting her, like, oh, hey, but we know we, we see it in your eyeballs uh, <laughs> yeah. is that they were a couple, right? A couple that went through that same thing. I feel like it would have made so much more sense for me, Barry. And then implicitly, we understand there that Barry knows what Iris went through. Now they're like healing from that together, right? So it just, it just made more sense for Barry to be there rather than Allegra. So that was a little bit weird. Or at least, um, like, have both of them. In yeah, both of them there would be fine, too. Why that wasn't yeah, both would be fine. And, you know, cut Camilla a check and let Camilla be there, because she went to the <laughs> drama, too. Yes! That was yeah. so confusing. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so that was all, mm, I don't know, mm, a little iffy there. But that's just, like, a minor. Um, the biggest problem was, <laughs> I don't know what happened to the CGI budget. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was embarrassing. Uh, it just like that, you know, Walmart Hulk did not look like anything remotely concerning. It felt like Barry could just flick him and then he'd just like fall over. Um, so that was an issue. It's not a great way to start off whatever, you know, arc, this arc is going to be. Cause like when you first see the villain or, cause I know he's not going to be the bad, but he's representing what the issue is going to be. You want it to be like impactful. You know, you want to feel like, oh man, how are we going to overcome this? And instead it was like, what? <laughs> where did this, where did this man on stilts come from? So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't like that. And also, of course, I think that first, Abracadabra, we saw him like one time in one of the worst episodes of season three. So even though David Demolition is great, he does the best he can with Abracadabra. He's chewing that scenery, even though he doesn't have anything to chew. Um, and we wish him the best of luck as the polka dot man in uh, Suicide Squad. He is still, like, um, it doesn't really make, first off, I don't care enough about him to care about him having found the light that Barry told him to go find. <laughs> and uh, I don't believe, based on what we've seen of him, that he would then suddenly turn good because of the power of Barry's love. Like, it makes more sense for Mirror Mistress, because we already know she did want a, a, a better world and whatever. She did have good intentions and they were warped. Same with, Mo, 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 uh, what's her name? The Mechanic. Melise. Melise. Melise? That can't be right. But anyway. Melise. Marlise. 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 Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Bela, I, I heard you start to say Melissa sounds like this is... <laughs> close, close. But yeah, we also know that she originally had, like, good intentions, and they were warped. So it makes sense to talk that, to talk her down. Whereas this guy, like, he doesn't seem... I don't know where the hell he started from, but he was just, like, garbage when we met him, you know? And then we like, oh, but then I had a dream... I had a dream where I had a woman and a child, and you stole that from me. Dream again! Abracadabra! Okay, that'd be good. Close your eyes, go to sleep. Exactly, exactly. I don't believe that, A. And then B, I could have, it could have gone somewhere if then he was a character that was relevant after, and then we see that good side of him so that it would be of interest to us. But instead it was like, okay, let me turn around and fight this paper mache Hulk. And then he dies. So, okay then, bye. So that was just, I feel like if it had been a different character from the start that we had gotten to know in some way and cared about and found relevant, then that would have been a much stronger plot line. Because I think the bare bone structure of it makes sense. But it being abracadabra, it was like, mm-hmm, okay, I guess. 
Um, so yeah, that's really my only big complaint. The everything relating to strength force man, but also Abracadabra just kind of fell flat for me, not in terms of the performance or in terms of the idea behind it, but just the fact that it was that particular villain. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that your nose was like, I see it's all of my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's like with the flash, I'm like, do I need to write notes for the flash? I feel like I should know. If off the dome, yeah, exactly. The biggest no joy for me was that horrible ass CGI. Like, there is no excuse for that thing to look like the thumb soldiers from like the Spy Kids movie, (laughs) (laughs) like to me. And I feel like there's no excuse for that. (laughs) Um, You were at home. It's COVID. All of your computers are with you. Like, why does the CGA look that bad? It should not. so other than that, like my minor nitpick, and this goes back to the, the Barry and Iris like heart to heart conversation. I understand like May made a good point, and Tati like elaborated on it. But like during the heart to heart, I wish the writers had left enough space for Barry to at least ask like Iris if she was okay. Like even if it got if even if it got like cut off or interrupted or whatever, as they tend to do. I feel like Barry now knowing that Iris's distance is not because she blames him or is mad at him should have at least connected like a few more dots to figure out like what the real reason was behind why she was closed off. Because, you know, like I said, like he's doing like all of this stuff, all of these trips that are for Iris, but there's not the support that she needs because it's really like Ted said, it's more about his feelings of guilt and, making himself feel better that if he does this for Iris and she's like happy about it, then he can feel better about like not recognizing that she was not her for all these months. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, even though he's doing for Iris, just this is selfish at the center because he's like trying to make up for his like guilt. Um, so when they have the heart to heart and she's like, Barry, it's not your fault. This is something that is traumatic that happened to you. I kind of wish that some dots could have been connected that he might ask, like, you know, are you okay? Um, Would have been enough for me. Even if it didn't get expanded upon, that would have been enough. It feels like he's back to like working on one brain cell again. (laughs) Like Spock Fairy is gone. Um, (laughs) So I feel like there's, there's a moment there that could have been, you know, that could have made that scene complete. And it's kind of left a little bit, you know, incomplete um and i you know i agree that you know it would have been nice if he was there i kind of i understand that when they went off on the tangent of abracadabra that that's his you know storyline to help in that situation and allegra i think is um i thought that her presence with iris was sufficient and the fact that you know it it completed that storyline of her trying to get iris to open up about her experience and then being there for her at the end i i do wish camilla could have been there at least as a support group because she's been through trauma too um and we don't really see didn't really see in the last episode like cisco was like i'm gonna kiss you so hard off screen <laughs> but and then in this and episode, still kissing her off screen. We don't know. Still kissing her off screen. In this episode, that she's not there, and there's like this kind of um, offhanded explanation that she's taking pictures around the city. But it would have been, you know, interesting, more interesting if there were some kind of like implication or um, 
implied that she's keeping herself busy because she doesn't want to think about her trauma or whatever. Like, I, I realized that having two women in scenes not talking about their trauma is kind of <laughs> redundant. Um, but I feel like they could have at least alluded to it if they didn't want to have, if they didn't want to pay Camilla to uh, Victoria to sit in the scene and not talk. Because they paid, they paid Cecile to sit in one scene and speak two lines. But they didn't want to pay Victoria, which is fine. <laughs> but uh, they didn't want to pay her to just like silently support Iris. I feel like they could have alluded a little bit to more of what trauma she might have been going through. Um, and why, as an, like an explanation of why she wasn't around. So, you know, that's that. Um, and then finally, I, I don't really like the trope of villain finally decides to be reformed and then dies immediately in a heroic death. Like, I, I feel like, you know, if a villain has come to the light bulb realization that they want to do good in the world I feel like the more heroic path would be them living and doing heroic deeds and fulfilling the the promise that they made to change their life around instead of like dying heroically for for other people I feel like that's a little cheap so it was a little bit you know and then like you know because Abercadaver says like very wins with the power of love argument and Abercadab was like, I'm going to live a better life. And then immediately this like monster of a CGI mess comes in and kills him. And in the aftermath, when he's like debriefing the team, Iris even says like, well, he died a hero. I'm like, is that enough? Really? Cause no one, no one knows that he died a hero other than that he died. Like they didn't know, they didn't know Abercadab the, reformed villain or whatever at least captain cold got a season to be like semi-good before he got killed off i feel like there should be more of a attempt to show you know the work that the villain has to put in because i feel like there's an interesting story there yeah. that you know, Tyler rent him <laughs> yeah yeah i completely agree with that i think redemption stories are just they take five minutes and then death heals all it doesn't they need to start right. doing the work, right? Um, so that sucks. And then I, I mean, I do completely agree about that. Barry should have been at the the scene at the end because that was a little odd. Um, especially since it was like a group full of people, and he could just been like, I expected him. I have expected him to like walk in the back and just kind of like stand, like, oh, I'm so proud of you You're expressing your feelings, because <laughs> we assume like. She told him about it when they got home. She's like, I'll, I'll talk to you about it at home. I was like, I guess mm-hmm. that conversation happened off screen. <laughs> um, and I also agree in the scene with with the heart to heart. I think that because like while Iris is talking to him, we see her connect her own dots about how she's feeling. So it would have been nice for him to also do the same. <laughs> um, I don't dislike Abracadabra as much as <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Abracadabra. <laughs> but I will say that, like, in general, the the way that they brought him back was interesting. And I like that they sort of continue to show us the uh, ramifications of, like, crisis and how the changed world is has affected people who do remember the world before. Um, but I just think it's, like, 
strange and, and petty for like a 64th century villain to like pop back into the 24th 21st century and be like this is all your fault Barry I was like actually this time it's really not <laughs> so I don't know it's just it's just an odd thing to do even though I liked you know the heart to heart moment between them but the the concept of it is all right <laughs> do we have any feedback oh I will okay. say oh well, Tati searches for feedback that one joy that I forgot to mention is the whole central city strong because I like that Team Star Labs is doing community service and putting the city back together. <laughs> I like that they had shirts. Oh, you know, doing, like community service. It was really yeah, cool. that was really cute. I will say that I forgot to add this to my dislikes, but the fact that Joe and Iris did not share a scene, like oh, to yeah. talk to each other, right. that pissed me off because Joe has just been like la di da with regards to Iris being missing. And, and do you have a daughter, Joe? Just yeah, it's so weird. So he's here and like she's back and they don't even get like two minutes to speak. Like, and that's just bizarre to me. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like the show started with Joe's relationship being at the center, you know, like Joe and Barry, Joe and Iris. And now it's like, yeah, he still talks to Barry, but it's still it's not the same. You know, it's not the same level of emotional support or um, or just just uh, whatever investment. And then with Iris, they don't even interact as if Jesse and Candace aren't like the closest people on set. It's so weird. I don't understand why they, I don't, I don't know if it's just like, maybe just like Eric just doesn't really care about Joe <laughs> or if Jesse is just over it. And he's like, I'll it's come to set. Feel it's like they don't care. Exactly. They, it's like, he's only there to be with Cecile and Cecile, like, why do they love Cecile so much? I don't know. Like, I don't, <laughs> I love Cecile. I don't have a problem with Cecile, but it's weird that it feels like Cecile is more connected to the show than Joe is, you know? Like, that doesn't make sense. But anyway, um, on to feedback. We start with Sonia. This episode of The Flash was actually pretty good. The pacing was good, the villain plot was interesting, and there wasn't a lot I didn't like. Despite it being the fourth episode of the season, it truly did have a season premiere feel to it. The Central City strong theme reminded me of the season two premiere with the event celebrating The Flash. Yes, I did see lots of parallels with the season two premiere, but a better one. A better episode. <laughs> um, Cisco and Chester working together and doing the jitters run was adorable. They're nerd BFFs. I love it. I really want one of those Central City Strong shirts. They're so cute. Yeah, they definitely should sell merch for that. Barry is so cute with his gifts to Iris, taking her out on vacations around the world. I love that they made him insecure and trying to make up for the fact that he was tricked by Mirror Iris. I'm glad Iris told him it wasn't his fault, that he was taken advantage of, and totally gaslit. I hope we see a lot of cute West Allen moments. But not at the expense of Barry trying to beg for forgiveness. <laughs> uh, and Iris trying to avoid writing articles. Speaking of Iris writing articles, I did not like how Allegra was editing her article. Some of her critiques were dumb. <laughs> Who cares if some parts of the article sounded like a police report or whatever? Journalists it's are supposed to give all the facts. It's yeah. tough love. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I do. I do think that most that basically the writers don't understand how journalism happens. Because it sound like you like the like the citizen literally puts out an article a day, and it, like no one was putting out. And there's only like three people there, so it's like Iris is writing like ninety percent of the articles. Like yeah, yeah. it's just like physically impossible if you want to run like a whole right. publication. So, like, <laughs> no like, wonder so their readership is down seventy. Three person website that right. Iris started last season even has money to be losing. 
is hilarious. <laughs> so I was already like, okay, sure, sure. <laughs> Although the only thing I will defend in this instance, because I've seen people be like, oh, so she's been like plagiarizing other news outlets. No. I was like, no, that's just how the news is reported. Literally everything yeah. is like the same if it's a yeah. fact. The first article <laughs> is going to be the one that has the stuff. And then everyone yeah. else is just getting yes. other articles. Not to, but they have to rewrite it for themselves. But yeah, it right. comes with other articles. Because where else, not everyone's going to get like, <laughs> totally separate information <laughs> and also like guys sometimes it just comes from a press release someone else yep. wrote. you're just rewriting mm-hmm. someone else's press release there's <laughs> <laughs> always so confusing to me so anyway um <laughs> i'm sorry but i do not care about the frost caitlin plot uh, I forgot to mention that. We, I feel like we just didn't mention that. Yeah, <laughs> it's so relevant to me. It was not like a joy or not joy. It was kind yeah, of. Like, it was just there. It was just there. Yeah, I'm not upset about. It. I know some people are like unhappy with it. I'm not unhappy with it. I don't think it's going to go poorly or whatever. I just don't know why we're doing it. Yeah, I, I hope it'll be prolonged. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk. I'll talk about that in the, in the predictions probably. Okay. So um, if this is going to show us, and y'all. If this is going to show us that Danielle's going to improve her acting, <laughs> what I've seen of her skills thus far, she does not have the talent to pull that off. Speaking mm-hmm. of Frost, we give her a round of applause uh, for not getting knocked out during a fight. We really should. You're right. That is actually an achievement. Um, the scenes with Abracadabra and Barry were great. The villain, he's a great villain with really interesting powers and abilities and very smart. I wish Barry didn't only mention Oliver when he mentioned the people he's lost, his parents, his uh, mother's death at a fixed point in time. Eddie sacrifices all everyone. Ronnie got sucked up by the singularity. Um, not everything is about Oliver. Um, and when the beast, when the giant beast came out, I was like, oh, it's CW's version of Solomon Grundy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so annoyed that they didn't have Joe and Iris interact in this episode. I get there are COVID rules and whatnot, but they were in the same scene together and didn't even say one word. Love to see Iris in the support group talking about her experience. I'm glad the show mentioned she's no stranger to trauma because she's been through quite a lot. Um, the gas from the onlookers and she said she spent three months in Mirrorverse broke bottom. This episode really got me hyped for the rest of season seven. I can't wait to see what happens next. I agree. All right, now we've got Anita. Um, happy weekend, ladies. I admit I screamed Central City Strong on Wednesday. Things about 10 minutes and I said, fuck this. It's not that Iris doesn't need an editor. All writers do. But I'm not here for someone whose brilliant journalism we have yet to see run roughshod over Travis <laughs> and her piece like that. But we are, Alexa, we are Allegra defenders. <laughs> it was for a purpose, guys. Yeah. There was, I, I definitely, like, I will agree with y'all when the episode, when the scene first happened, I was like, what is this? But then they, they explained it and I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, bravo to the show for giving Iris space to talk about her feelings and her about her abduction. Barry's guilt um, was understandable, but the support group gasped at hearing. But when the support group gasped at hearing Iris was in prison for three months, it really hit home that she suffered the worst. Mm-hmm. Candace really delivered with that speech. Totally agree. Iris is the Mirrorverse. Mass abduction needs something bigger than her article. So I wonder if Iris is planning a multimedia expansion for the citizen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I wish the show hadn't t- killed Teresa Merkel. Um. Would have been interesting to see a wealthy, connected, and successful black woman who knew Iris's work um, become kind of a sponsor. What? Of her like, career. Who is this? The mother of the ragdoll. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, because then she could have helped Iris develop into a media boss lady, basically. Can Solidar- can Solidar- Brian or Lisa Ling do a cameo? <laughs> hey, why not? 
why not? I don't, I didn't expect Felipe to die, especially since uh, the Flash got through to him. But what was that thing that came out of nowhere and ate the antimatter bomb? No, really help me, because I'm not up to my Flash on Pantheon of Odd Creatures. I will talk to you about this in our prediction section. Okay, Danielle. I enjoy this episode a lot more than 703. Iris getting to feel things is nice. Candace's performance was really great in the monologue. I really wasn't expecting to like the way the show handled the trauma. It was a little cookie cutter, but Candace really sold the art this episode. I would have liked Iris getting to talk about herself with Barry, but Allegra encouraging Iris to write an article about her time in the Mirrorverse was really nice. It's also the first time I've genuinely liked her or their friendship. <laughs> well then... Um, Barry was super cute with Iris' episode. The flash on the news was super cute. He could have totally built those houses, though. So true. So true. What is he doing? Um, Mecha vibe is bad. But it would be less bad if they let Cisco have a single scene where he could say why he made this new gadget. Except the writers right. refu- literally refused to give Cisco content. Uh, Mecha vibe is also bad because Mecha Godzilla was allowed to have a cool me- metal armor and his <laughs> <laughs> Cisco and Chester are really cute this episode. I like how they bounce off each other. I hope we continue having them both in one episode. Uh, Machete order without skipping episode one is the correct way to watch Star Wars. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, big buff CGI lady could have just been a big buff lady. It was a lady? <laughs> I didn't hear Yeah, it was a lady. Oops. Was, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I should have said <laughs> Anyway, having Abracadabra back was fun. They did save the day with the power of love. Better, yep, better this episode than in last week's. Absolutely. I hope Kadabra comes back to tiny bunny shenanigans. Also, that Argus dude is totally a robot, right? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that, but he was definitely Yes, I agree. I think it was alluded that he was like, so- yeah. He's like, I can neither confirm yeah. or deny that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Paulina. I found this was a delightful, poignant, and also frustrating. It's enjoyable and promising that the episode was actually willing to go in depth with Iris's trauma. Um, there's more good than anything else. Iris' storyline was poignant and had so much depth. Uh, and it grounds the show in ways the superheroes cannot. Her realization that it's okay not to be okay, stream that on Netflix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she's not to blame for her own trauma because this being Iris, she would of course blame herself. Um, Iris running out of the mirrorverse of Iris' group while hyperventilating was so sad but also realistic. Um, Iris out here representing those of us who run from our trauma. The final scene with the survivors group um, and Iris speaking about her trauma to a wider audience and not being alone through it was really powerful stuff. I'm glad she got to recognize it and deal with it and then slowly begin to heal from it. I'm glad that the, writer, the Flash is clearly sending a message to viewership to, to its viewership after this difficult year. Yes, very true. The opening with Salentine was ridiculously cute. Usually we have to kiss first to make the ground shake. They freaky freaky. We didn't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> um, COVID-19 means considerably less trap. Considerably less touching. So Barry had resorted to a second love language. Words of affirmation. Aw, so true. Like when he says, every time I couldn't possibly think I love you more. I really like Allegra giving Iris feedback while being caring towards her throughout the episode. I like when women can be in front, up front with each other. And give one another feedback without resorting to cattiness. So true. Thank you for being on our side and Allegra's side. <laughs> Barry being stronger and more powerful thanks to Iris giving him his feedback. We love to see it. I actually like the Caitlin Killer Frost split. I'm not a Caitlin or Frost fan at all, but they've constantly refused to commit 
to doing anything with this character. So it finally seemed like, you know, they were committing to something. Uh, these two being two separate people who have to live separate lives. I support that. I just hope one of them lives a separate life off screen. As for the bad, Joe not checking uh, up on Iris once. What's up with that? He hasn't said a word to her since she got out of the Mirrorverse. Barry got to work through his trauma with Iris, and Iris supported him and was strong for him, but she didn't get that same moment with Barry concerning her trauma. I love the scene, but she didn't get to directly address her, her trauma with her husband, and I'm not cool with that. Barry was subdued by Kadabra twice. Really? I thought we were done with this nonsense. <laughs> also, Abracadabra. Finally, someone on my team. They actually did a great job in this story, but in this episode, but the story was such a slog. He was great at the beginning of the episode. He was evil and chaotic, but then his whole story became a sad redemption arc. But this man ain't a hero. Stop trying to make that happen. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Thank you! <laughs> I liked the scene when Barry got through to him, but I would have preferred a fight scene. Thanks. I showed up for a fight scene. <laughs> as for that ugly, uh, as for the ugly, that would be the hideous strength force, oh, strength force ogre that absorbed the antimatter. Prediction time. This is also my prediction, so um, this is taking over my prediction. There you go. It seems like they're going full blown force quest, which I'm mm-hmm. possibly excited for. I think Iris' story in 706 about her forging a connection with the Speed Force will relate to her and Barry discovering more about the forces. And I also think that Wes Allen's surprise house guest in 707 will be another one of the forces. Is that also your prediction, Tati, that their house guests will be related to the forces? That last one is not my prediction. Okay. But I, I can totally see that happening. I want it to be Jenna, but... Same. <laughs> if, if it is not Jenna, I will, like, be upset. Exactly. <laughs> I have built exactly. it up in my mind, so it must happen, or I will just, like, lose it. <laughs> um... Lillian sent us two episodes worth of podcasts, and we will put the 703 one on Tumblr. 704 one was a really strong season premiere IMO. It was nice to see the team out and about Central City, not stuck inside Star Labs. Romantic with Stalin was everything we needed after the long-ass Mirrorverse storyline. So true. Although it would have been nice to see physical contact between Iris and Barry. Love how sweet and affirming Barry was towards Iris' episode. I have a theory that the writers are being extra sweet, to make up for the social distancing, which I totally accept. Uh, she asked if that makes sense or if she's reaching. I'm pretty sure that they make sense. I think that's correct. I agree. Um, nice to see Iris out of the black outfit. I wonder if the writers will incorporate her fashion and new haircut to sh- help show how she's dealing with the trauma. Uh, her having a chance to open up and be vulnerable was so touching and Candace knocked out of the park. I may have teared up a bit in that scene. I'm not too upset about Barry not being there because I feel like it's important for Iris to vocalize her emotions for herself and work through it before she can bring Barry in, which is an interesting concept. Hopefully we'll see her bring Barry in later on. Hopefully it's not the end of the arc. If that's true, then I will take back what I said and I will be grateful. Uh, It's great to see Cisco being back to normal, to his normal positive self, but I hope that they'll touch on the separation trauma he and Camilla also went through. (laughs) Yes, that would be great. I don't care about them, though. (laughs) It would be great. It would be weird to see Barry feeling super guilty about being tricked by an imposter and then not see Cisco processing the same thing. Yep. Also, mecha vibe. LOL. I love that Iris's words helped Barry defeat Abracadabra. We are the Flash in action. Love this story. Um, Barry got him to stand. When Barry got him to stand down, I half expected him to be invited to Team Flash like they do with every single reformed villain. <laughs> um, that's so true. I'm sure the family of the volunteer killed by Abracadabra wouldn't be pleased to hear that the Flash let the killer walk away because he was just sad that he lost his family. You can't just keep absolving villains and letting them walk away every episode. Mm, yeah, well, that's true. This time, you know, 
strength for us. <laughs> this time he died. <laughs> yeah. Which brings me to the Killer Frost theory. The writers now remember Killer Frost did some shit in season three and was a legit bad guy for a hot second. This is honestly laughable at this point. Uh, with the upcoming trial of the Killer with, of Killer Frost or whatever the storyline is, I'm just over it. Especially now that they split her and Caitlyn. It makes it easier for to make her the good one and absolve Caitlyn of all the selfish decisions she made in seasons three and four. I'm tired of it in advance. Also, is the body splitting headache going to be connected to her time away with Mama Snow, or did they just drop that altogether? <laughs> True. Um, and then she votes Iris, you know, Lady Slumps of the Week. Your vote will be noted because I'm sure that that is who is going to be We'll see. We'll see. You might be Ryan. It'll be we'll duke it out. Or Sophia. Sophia has a pretty strong. Oh, I guess it's be Sophia. That's true. It'll be Sophia. All right. Then we've got Squara. This is one of my favorite episodes of the Flash ever. Time and development for Iris to deal with the trauma and grief. Time to heal with clear care in the writing. Hell yes. Iris was the star of the episode, but Barry had some great materials too with Abracadabra as he realized yet another mistake from Flashpoint and how he has to take more responsibility for his for how his actions affect people and their alternate timelines. I also felt like there's a good balance to use with the team, with Allegra and Cisco, although Chester maybe could have been involved a bit more. From alas, time from him was sucked up by Ripoff Elsa, who had a nonsensical plot about being split into two beings. I only hope this means we don't have to see double the amount of Caitlin Frost on the show and just not spend the money on those digital effects camera work. We shall see, of course. But another highlight of this episode is Noelle's. We're free for one episode, finally, in so long. Despite those scruples, such an excellent episode for me. Oh, I'm glad. To be fair, Tom usually skips, like, the first episode of every season. That's true. Yeah, so that's true. <laughs> so this isn't the first time that's happened, for sure. But it might it might be happening more in the future, so I love that. And now I'm done with Pika. Do we have any predictions? I know that you do. <laughs> well, I already—I was already stolen from me, but yes, I do think it's the okay. strength force. Um, and I, so yes. I think and Iris are going to learn more about the other forces, and perhaps we're going to. It'll be interesting if Iris herself had connections to like the Sage Force, for instance. The what? Yes, the Sage Force. The four uh, forces are the strength force, which is that gross She-Hulk thing that we saw. The thumb, um, which is obviously just being stronger, right? And then the Sage Force, which, which is wisdom, which is why I feel like I'm like, well, Iris has lots of wisdom. She could have the Sage Force. <laughs> um, but, like, I'm pretty sure that it was, like, God, Gorilla Grodd in, um, it was Gorilla Grodd in the, in the comics, which makes sense because he's, like, you know, super smart, telepathic mm-hmm. person. Um, now, just, now that I said that, maybe it's going to be Cecile. Cecile will have the Sage Force now. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> um, and then the steel force, which is the opposite of speed, right? The steel force can stop the speed force. So those are the forces. I feel like that storyline went nowhere in the comic. Like it literally was like, let's go learn about the forces. Okay, now we know. <laughs> this will be. I think it's interesting now that they're doing this because we know that I think episode six that mm-hmm. Iris is going to have like a relationship with the speed force or something like that. So the fact that it's still, like, a combination of West Allen and the Speed Force and then, like, these four Speed Forces, I hope that they do it well. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm we'll sure, like, they've never one-to-one adapted any comic book storyline, so I'm sure they have a different plan for it as it is. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's a combination of the Force Quest and the Speed Force Storm because I like I think it's just like huge Easter eggs of Mina coming, not just the story that Chester, like the book that Chester was reading in the first episode. But also, you know, the fact that you have Godspeed that is still um, unresolved. You have the book. You have um, the speed forces that have been, or the different forces that have been created. And then it seems like, like in that episode, that there is some kind of like speed force storm. And what we got in this episode was a strength force, which I definitely think is accurate. But that's what whatever this thing was right. is, represents. Um, but also, I think you could still make a Speed Force Storm storyline out of that and get Mina as well. So I think that there's still like opportunity to like marry those together, and that's maybe what we're getting. Um, and then obviously, like I feel like the special house guest in Episode Seven has got to be Baby Jenna, because if it's not, then it's just like throw it away. <laughs> the storyline away and then um what i said earlier about um ariel went from public access tv show to field reporter it's like we love a glow up you go girl and i feel like there's a merger in the future between her talk show slash news show and ccn which would be like a good um not ccn ccc which would be a good way to kind of show the progress of building this media empire that we know Iris has in the future. Yeah. And if this happens, I shall uh, await the interview that Iris has with Flash because yes. that is a checklist. <laughs> um, all right. Lady with gumption of the week for side A and B. And then the final, the final girl. Well, I think for side A, for me, it's definitely Sophia. <laughs> um, just because of how maniacal she has shown herself to be in the episode, for sure. Tati, do you agree with this? Uh, for side A, yeah. For side A, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with Sophia. I think I even mentioned gumption in my description of her. <laughs> <laughs> earlier so it fits for side b uh i assume we're going with iris because no other lady had gumption this week <laughs> it has to be iris i think just because of the gumption it takes to face your trauma and then share it yes. with strangers i agree with this it is i iris <laughs> <laughs> uh. all right so big battle sophia versus iris who wins this week? I want to say Iris because Iris did not let her field of desert roses get destroyed. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm willing to take, you know, counterpoints. I will not fight you because ah. I think that Iris has showed a lot of strength and, you know, facing her trauma and using that to be a, um, I don't know, not example, but just like to, to share with others, to share 
her trauma in the hopes that it might help other people to um, heal in theirs, I think took a lot of strength for her to do. So yeah, I, I, I think between the two, it's interesting because like there's a little bit of a peril and like Sophia was sort of dealing with her own feelings towards either uh, towards Alice and Ocean, except she was handling it very in a very petty way. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and well, I think it does take a lot of strength to talk about your emotions. Period. I, much as, less mm-hmm. to a group of people. So, as badass as I think that Sapphire proved herself to be in her like planning and stuff, and killing two birds with one stone, Petty is still Petty, <laughs> and there's still backlash. <laughs> you know, she, like part of the reason, even if she doesn't want to admit it, is that she did this because she was jealous of Alice Notion. So there's still like that little thing. Yeah. so iris for the win this week thank you so much for listening we'll be back again next week of course to cover batwoman um flash and supergirl which will be Mm -hmm. taking the place of superman and lois in the time slot so look forward to our thoughts then and in the meantime you can contact us at ladies with ladies wgumption.tumblr.com ladies wgumption at gmail.com and we will see you next week fairly well bye